You're Smarter Than Us is a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out all of the coverage of Soccer in the Carolinas at Soccer, the letter N, Sweet Tea, dot com. Oh, in the blues! Oh, in the blues! Go marching in! Oh, how I want to be in the number! Oh, in the blues! Go marching in! Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of You're Smarter Than Us. We're kind of in the first official postseason podcast, uh, post wrap up, post um, Asheville City centric podcast for the off season. Of course, you know, closer to Christmas and then into 2020, we will be discussing more things Asheville City specific as uh, NPSL has their AGM and then the WPSL has their AGM. And of course, all along the way, we will be discussing Memorial Stadium renovations and different ways that we can really get out and support the club. But I am extremely, extremely, extremely excited to welcome Jim Hicks, Chattagooner, um, and the host of of the 423 Soccer Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you, Tim? I'm a co-host now. You know, Todd's going to get mad at me if you just, you know, if you just give me all the accolades. <laughs> of course, great <laughs> footballer is also a member great, of that 423 podcast. So. So. If you guys haven't checked yeah. them out, please check them out on Twitter at 423 uh, Soccer Podcast. And I guess you guys are on all the different uh, soccer platforms. Uh, Jim and them do a great, great job kind of doing different types of podcasts. Um, they, they do an amazing post-game analysis after each match. And then they do do some interviews. I myself was on them um, right before the NPSL Southeast playoffs. And recently, you guys had Tim Kelly on. Um, Tim Kelly, of course, is the what, what exactly yeah. is he? A president, chairman, owner? Yeah, chairman of the board. Yeah, chairman of the board, owner, Grand Poobah. You know, he's all things CFC. So, yeah, he, he was uh, gracious enough to come on and talk a little bit. Um, that had been a little while in the planning. We knew that we were going to get some type of news. Um, and so, you know, we uh, we wanted to wait until some things came out, a little bit of things, you know, some things came out, and then we, we had him on. So it was it was fun if you've not checked out. If your listeners haven't checked that out, I think it's informative, uh, not just for CFC folks, but for anybody who likes uh, lower uh, lower division soccer. So not to step on the neck of your podcast, because I can't recommend it enough, and I do want everybody to go check out that Tim Kelly episode, but was there anything that he so can you, can you, um, spoke about that kind of caught you guys by surprise? Or uh, you guys do such an amazing job um, of asking questions in the course of the conversation, just as the listener probably is starting to think that themselves. Um, it's really the earmark of a, a fantastic podcast host. So kudos to you guys. But was there anything that as maybe just fans, you guys perked up your ears at? So, you know, I mean, you know, I think, I think the thing that caught us the most uh, was how he spoke about Nisa. Um, I think Todd and I have both been maybe reading between the lines and, and thinking about, uh, thinking it was almost kind of a foregone conclusion that 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 Chattanooga eventually was going to announce uh, as a NISA team in the spring, and, and that's just not what we got from that conversation. Now he could be bluffing. He could be. I mean, he's you know he's skilled at this, so you know he may just not be showing his hand. But you know, I think that was the you know that was the one thing that that kind of surprised us a little bit. Um, and I didn't expect him to come out and announce on our show 
surprise, we're going Nisa. Uh, but it was, ju- it was just, you know, the, I don't know if the, just the way he was talking, uh, was, was very, you know, very keeping his cards close to his chest. So, um, you know, we were a little surprised by that. We talked off offline after the interview. It's like, you know, yeah, I think Todd leaned over and said, well, maybe we're not going Nisa. Um, but, uh, so I guess that would be it. Um, everything else, you know, he talked a little bit about the beginning of the club, you know, that's been, you know, that's been talked about a lot. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we were going to look forward to, or, you know, again, you know, when I asked him what, what, what were the decision kind of, how was he going to make and how was the board going to make the decision? What were they looking for? You know, he pointed back to kind of the manifesto that came out of that soccer meeting, uh, in Chattanooga a couple of years ago, or a year ago, a couple of years ago, I guess now. And, you know, just the, the, the openness, the ability to, uh, to play more games, that games are revenue events that we need, you know, that all the clubs need more games. And in order to have more games, you've got to have players that aren't in college, you know, and that all kind of boils down to where we got with the Founders Cup. And, and then, you know, the insurance thing happened. So, um, as for shocking, nothing really overly shocking, but it, we were a little surprised at the tenor, I guess, that he took, uh, with regards to Nisa. Yeah, it was a very open and honest conversation. I think, um, although Tim does have quite a uh, turn of word at times with some of his um, killing the baby in the crib comments and things of that nature, I think catch people off guard a little bit. He certainly, um, he he practices what he preaches when he talks about transparency. And I I think it's something that generally just in sports is needed, but especially in lower Mm -hmm. league soccer. Um, with, with the prevalence of clubs that fold after just a few, a few years and, um, you know, I've got mine and I'm not going to share it with you sort of mentality. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, CFC and Tim Kelly tends to be a, a breath of fresh air. So how, how'd you feel about the end of your Chattanooga FC NPSL classic season, which of course ours, Asheville cities was ended in a four to one defeat against you guys, uh, the day after our conversation, which was the day of the Greenville game. Um, but you guys went down to Miami. Um, how'd you feel like that game went? I think it went about how we, how we thought it would go. You know, we, uh, we lost a player and we had a player that couldn't play, uh, because of a, a ridiculous red card that he got in the inter semifinal game. Uh, and then we lost two guys really quickly. Uh, one of our center backs, Lima and a, I believe at the time he was playing Sanchez is playing holding or holding mid kind of the, the, the deepest player in the diamond. Uh, and he's been, he has been a very important player in that when we changed the formation, he, he played a little bit of left back, uh, but he, he came in to play kind of that six role. And it was really important. And so losing those two guys, I mean, that's the spine of your team, you know, a center back, the defending mid, it was, it was rough. And so it was going to be rough on us anyway. Uh, the first half, I, we did not, we did not park the bus, but we certainly were not pressing. Although Miami really wasn't pressing us either. There wasn't a whole lot back and forth. I think I can't remember now. They may have hit the post in the first half, but there wasn't a lot in that first half and Miami made some changes. They came out, they were a different team. Um, they got a goal that was a little, I don't know. There was a question about offside. I don't think it was, but there was, there was some, que- Oh, well, I guess I should say the first thing that happened was we had a goal. We, we went up one nil and um, everybody was going back to the center, the center stripe. And, and then all of a sudden the center ref goes over and talks to the AR and, Oh, it's offside. Now it was the right call. 
Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to, to bash. I actually, I think that was probably one of the best NPSL ref games that I saw this year. But it was very, very strange, and the players didn't understand, the, the, the fans that were there didn't understand. So it kind of left a strange taste, I think, in, in our mouth going into halftime. But the second half, you know, they came out and scored. They got a penalty, which was, I think, an unfortunate penalty, but it was a pen. And, you know, 2-0. I mean, I, you know, I think it's it wasn't it wasn't completely shocking. And, you know, Miami's a, a really good squad, and, um, you know, they've got, you know, they're a fully professional squad. They've got a payroll of i don't know some people say one to two million dollars maybe more i don't know so it wasn't it wasn't really a surprise you know i think um you know i heard i heard some people say the Miami folks were thinking that this may have been their toughest game until the final and although i think tulsa played them really really well uh i think it turned out kind of to be that way and and you know it's just it's unfortunate for us that it was in a regional semifinal. I think that's a, that has the makings and the legitimacy of a regional final, but you know, it is what it is. And we went down there and, and played hard. The guys played really tough and, and we just came up short. Miami, Miami, of course, advanced on. They played Tulsa and then they beat Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. They beat Cleveland. Yeah. And they uh, face and- uh, the New York Cosmos. I'm not quite sure if they're the New York Cosmos bees this year, or <laughs> exactly what they are. Yeah. But, um, yeah. with your, um, I, I think you and I and, and a few other people might be the only ridiculous people to have watched the vast majority of these games on my Kuju all the way through. Yes. But, um, yeah, I do you have them. a feel for that all. New York Miami um, final tomorrow night? Um, I mean, I, I, I think you've got to be crazy not to think, not to think that the Cosmos are going to, are going to win, but, uh, Miami's got a shot. They've got talent. They've got speed on the outside. They've, they've got some really, their, their back four is, is really good. Um, I will say that, you know, the, the games I watched of the Cosmos, I guess it will not the, not the final against, uh, San Diego, but when they played Baltimore, I really wasn't overly impressed that their first half. Um, but again, they're one of those teams that I don't know. I don't even know if they got out of really second gear. You know, I mean, I don't know if I was really watching them really work that hard and they came out with a win. So, um, you know, I think you've got to be kind of crazy to, you know, if I was betting, I would, I would think the Cosmos have got this, but I think it's going to be a competitive match. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a kind of a two one game. Maybe Miami pushes too far up trying to get an equalizer and it goes to three one late. But, um, yeah, I think it would be fairly close uh, with the Cosmos coming out on top. Yeah, I think that's exact. I mean, word for word, exactly what I would have imagined will happen. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Miami won. Um, I don't I don't think the Cosmos are. I mean, they, they they've gone throughout the season without any um, draws or losses in the NPSL classic season. I believe that's right. Well, they had one draw. Um, they had one draw. And yeah, they, they did had, lose they had one draw late in the game season. against Hartford of the USL Championship, which is one of the, the bottom clubs in that league. But but I, I don't necessarily think they're the unstoppable monsters that they potentially are in some people's heads. The Brooklyn Italians played them extremely close. And I think Kingston Stockade actually played them close one game before it got a little loose at the end. And mm-hmm. the Cosmos maybe tacked on an extra goal or two. Mm-hmm. But uh, part part of why I find that final so interesting is because, of course... Man, here in what, uh, one week from tomorrow, what was supposed to be the NPSL Founders Cup was supposed to kick off. And yep. now plans have changed a little bit. Um, 
So we're going to kind of reverse engineer this because the NISA things actually happened first. Yeah. It didn't necessarily cause, I, I don't think it necessarily caused because obviously there was a little bit more that came out afterwards about it, caused the Founders Cup to fall apart. But the Founders Cup has officially fallen apart. It is no longer called the Founders Cup and it is now called the Members Cup. And this yeah. Members Cup has a reduced roster of teams. It is no longer the, I think at the height of the Founders Cup, it was 11 teams, six out, south, six out east and five out west. And then mm -hmm. a couple of the west teams dropped and it got down to, I think about, nine and then uh, napa valley jumped back in and so it went back up to 10 but it was six east four west and then kind of one by one um, we just started seeing defections and we saw miami or i guess the first shoe to kind of drop was um the cal striker cal united strikers pulled out and then cal fc pulled out and then that that was that was several months ago but yeah. then you had the oakland roots pull out and join nisa and then the kind of kind of final uh, nail in the coffin was Miami FC attending the NISA board meetings in Charlotte and eventually announcing that they'll be playing NISA in the fall. And so this has left a Founders Cup, which has now been renamed um, the Members Cup. And it has most of the teams still from the East, plus Napa mm -hmm. Valley, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And then it picked up the Michigan Stars. Is that right? Yep. That's, yep. Yeah. And, and now there'll be, um, it, it's not, I, I saw the schedule for it. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to execute that in terms of, uh, balancing it. Uh, I know the way that it was going to be, it was like West was going to face East, but now obviously that's not quite capable. And then to kind of muddle the whole thing, there's a little bit of crossbreeding going on between um, <laughs> the member cup teams and the yeah. NISA fall showcase teams. So it's right. not quite a full season for NISA. Um, and maybe I'm just blurring the whole conversation because honest to God, right now, like D4, D3 is just one big blur in my head and mm -hmm. it, it nothing would shock me right now it seems like all, all right. options are on the table but um this is you know you guys are you guys are going into august and you have chattanooga football club games on the schedule how, how are you guys feeling as you guys go into this members cup schedule well i'm excited about it matt you know, I mean, you know i'm just glad that we have more matches uh matt you know i think you know that seems to be really the driving force you know with the these clubs they you know they have some they've kind of outgrown NPSL classic if you want to use that that verb and and in one of more matches and I, I think they thought hey you know I Tim talked about this you know they saw in the bylaws that you can sanction professional players as long as they're sanctioned by you know a body that's you know that's uh, been sanctioned by U.S. Soccer and so they they did that and and suddenly they realized well it's not that easy um, and I I don't I don't know really why it wasn't that easy. Uh, I'm not smart enough to know, um, you know, the differences between, uh, you know, there's there's things in Florida with workers' comp, and I mean, there's all kinds of all kinds of stuff. But you know, I, I, I'm excited about it. You know, I've uh, I, I've I think um, I don't know where we're gonna where we're gonna end up, but hey, it's more games, and, and who can I mean, who can um, who's gonna be upset with more soccer? So. Matt, I guess that's where I end on it. I, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about Members Cup versus Founders Cup versus NISA. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's strange to kind of go into um, this kind of weird season without a, without a future, but um, you know, it's more soccer. So I guess that's where I have to fall and, and wherever CFC goes, I mean, you know, I'm going to be there. So um, right now it's, that's the members cup and we'll be there, you know, next week when the cosmos come down and um, maybe we're playing, we'll be playing the, uh, the NPSL champs. And so I guess there's no better time to just get into this. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about the insurance. So mm-hmm. if, if you guys will remember what we talked about way a ways back, you know, it, it, the, the Founders Cup was first, I think, announced in either January or February. And we spoke a little bit about how they, they were going to attempt to be sanctioned by the USASA as an affiliate yeah. of the USSF which means they mm-hmm. could be sanctioned and could pay their players. Now, this is to work not perpendicular, but kind of parallel to the USSF um, sanctioning, which requires the professional league standards that we've talked about, and specifically at the uh, third-tier level, because that, for whatever reason, there actually aren't fourth-tier um, yeah. standards. But at the third-tier right. standards, the ones that are constant catching points are... The owner net worth, so you have to have an owner that owns 35% of the team that is worth $10 million outside of club valuation. Additionally, you have to play in a stadium that can seat a 1,000 people. That's generally not very hard to do. And at the third tier, there are no um, population requirements. You start moving up, and the PLS gets into things like um, your... Principal owner has to have 40% of the team and be worth $40 million. And you have to live in a metropolitan area that has X amount of people in it. You get up to the MLS level and things get really quirky and weird. Um, There's also performance bond issues, but that just basically means you're sustainable throughout the course of the year to play your season. If, if the, you know, whatnot hits the fan, you've got this money in the bank that can kind of at least float you through the season. So other teams aren't getting messed up too. So at, at the D3 level, the, that 1,000-seat uh, stadium and $10 million owner's worth, what basically Founders Cup and eventually NPSL Pro was going to try to do is operate a professional league, so paid players, at the D3 level, perpen- or not perpendicular, parallel to those PLS leagues, which basically would be USL League One. Um, this is where the, the memes come out and people call it a rogue league. Um, basically we just weren't going to, or that they weren't going to play by the feds, um, standards requirements. And from what I understand, and Jim, feel free to jump in because I do not claim to be an insurance expert whatsoever, (laughs) but there was a strange, um, condition basically that was placed on things where there, there was some sort of conflict with professionals and amateurs playing against each other even though that happens in the open cup every year but i guess in a league for a league season combined with the usasa not wanting to sanction the league without insurance but insurance wouldn't insure the teams without sanctioning from the usasa right yeah chicken egg kind of thing and I mean, it, what does it, I mean, I think, and, and your listeners may correct me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't know that, I mean, I, I thought I heard that there were, that there were USL teams that have amateur, amateur and pros playing together. And so I, what I don't understand, if that's the case, that I don't know how USL got insurance and, 
Well, I do know they're sanctioned through U.S. I mean, they're sanctioned through U.S. soccer, but it, it all of it just seems very, very weird. Um, you know, you can have if you want to look at your black helicopter, you know, have, fly your black helicopters around. You can just, you know, there's all kinds of conspiracies that you can put in there. But um, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's just the weird insurance thing that I that it's above my pay grade, and uh, I don't really understand. <laughs> and so when things fell apart, um, you know, my, Miami, um, I, I think the, not the rumor du jour, but the general consensus is that Miami for their, um, so Ricardo Silva owns Miami FC and a combination of Ricardo Silva and Crowley, who owns Kingston yep. Stockade, they actually currently have a lawsuit against, is the lawsuit against the Fed in the court of sports arbitration basically yes mm-hmm. wanting the fed to be required to adhere to fifa standards I, I forget the exact number of that standard or the rules or regulations that requires basically promotion and relegation um which of course we don't have here in the states and the general consensus is that it doesn't make any it, the lawsuit didn't make any sense for ricardo silva and miami fc if they were not in a sanctioned league because they basically were suing to take part of something that they weren't even a part of. So that kind of makes sense that they slid in. Um, Comparatively, I've read in um, our uh, good friend with the first team podcast and some of the guys over at sock takes, they did a great job kind of explaining why uh, the New York Cosmos currently are probably not going to be joining any sort of sanctioned leagues because of Rocco Camiso's lawsuit that's currently still going on. Joining a sanctioned league in that context would be a little hypocritical, it looks like. So they probably, if even if they ever do join an actual sanctioned league, it probably won't be anytime soon, and it'll certainly be after that lawsuit settles out. <sighs> you guys got all that? Yeah. So I mean, That is nuts. Isn't that nuts? I mean, <laughs> the, it's absolutely The off-season in lower league soccer is very, I mean, very you, rarely an yeah, actual yeah, off-season. Yeah, um, if, <laughs> if you look, I, I would be willing to bet if you looked all the way back to maybe like 2014, I, every, and, and, you know, the USL is still going on. We still have soccer. It's not really a true off season, but things always shake up. People lose sanctioning. People gain sanctioning. Um, it, there's just a constant, uh, shuffling of, uh, chairs on the deck of the Titanic when it comes to clubs. They come and they go. And so one of the things that I find particularly interesting is that, of course, during the Founders Cup announcement, um, one of the things they did is they uh, promised their fan bases a certain amount of games. So just Mm -hmm. like for CFC, you guys were going to play Miami FC, both home and away. You're going to play uh, Miami United, both home Mm -hmm. and away. And now those games have been taken off the table. But in selling season tickets, and I'm sure in selling sponsorships, um, you guys promised those home games, you promised those home dates, and you had to do something with them. So I don't necessarily know if an NPSL NISA partnership collaboration in the future makes a whole lot of sense. I think the same problems that you saw with the Founders Cup, who eventually was given, and I don't understand the structure of this by any stretch of the imagination, but eventually the Founders Cup was given basically their own project manager. Um, they were given their own dedicated staff that I'm assuming those 10 or 11 clubs were paying to create the schedule to, uh, you know, build a little bit of infrastructure, book referees, things of that nature. And it was not, 
it was not the same as the NPSL Classic team. So basically, you would not have Tulsa, you wouldn't have Fort Worth, you wouldn't have Arizona propping up the pro ambitions of the Founders Cups teams. They were just kind of separated unto themselves. Now, when the Founders Cup fell apart, part of what happened was the Member Cup teams or yeah, the member cup teams actually came back into the fold of the NPSL and Mm -hmm. they are now, so Kenny Farrell uh, has made several comments about the members cup, whereas he didn't really talk about the founders cup a whole lot. Um, And another thing that they did is they worked with NISA and there's a little bit of cross germination kind of going on with uh, different clubs having friendlies. So Detroit just announced a home and away series with the Philadelphia Fury Oakland Roots, I believe, are playing uh, Napa potentially, or one of the LA San Diego's playing Napa and a couple friendlies. And then um, Chattanooga specifically, you guys are actually going to travel down to Matthews and play Stumptown mm-hmm. Athletic, and then Stumptown's going to come over. Do you guys feel any less excited about those? Um, is, is there a general uh, fervor or desire for those games, or are you guys just viewing it as more CFC is more CFC? Well, I haven't heard too many people describe it one way or the other. Just it's another game, you know. I, mean, I, I think, I think when Ty and I talked about it, uh, you know, we we don't think it's a coincidence that these additional games are NISA teams. But um, you know, I, I you know, I think as you said, uh, these clubs put season ticket packages out. They've got sponsorships. They promise a certain number of games. They need those games and. You know uh, who are you going to play, man? You know who who, who are you going to play? And I, I can tell you who we're not going to play. You know we're not going to play some USL teams, even though that you know one of them is right across the right across the interstate from my house. Um, you know we're not going to play them. I don't know if they're going to play. They wouldn't play us. So who are you going to play? So Nisa's out there, and and so it could be that it could be we just need games, and that's who's out there. But uh, you know I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, but you know. Hey, who am I? I mean, I'm just a little podcaster on, you know, sitting in, in my house in Brainerd to Tennessee. So, um, but I'm excited about it. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about more, like getting more soccer. It's an additional game. I was, I was really worried. I think I joked, um, with, uh, uh let's see, we talked with a guy from Detroit and I'm down blanking on his name. Um, Emerson, um, Bill Emerson from, uh, from, uh, he was a DCFC fan. You know, I was joking, like, you know, at that time, that was right after the teams were kind of, it seemed like, you know, the last one in the, the last one in the Founders Cup turned the lights off. And I was joking that the Founders Cup was going to end up being a best of seven between Chenning and Detroit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, not, you know, it, now that we have a, 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 a solid group of six, we've got games. Um, it's back under NPSL. There's some stability there. Um, at least for at least until October, uh, I, you know, I'm happy, and you know we've we've got some matches, and it's cool to have. I mean, it's cool to have Stumptown come in and uh, and see what you know, see what they bring. So it's more soccer, I guess. You know, uh, in a if you boil it down, just to to a sentence. <laughs> Even after all of this was announced, kind of the for the the forebearer to all of this was. Bob Williams, um, who, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, I highly recommend. He's extremely dry and provides great insight to all sorts of different sports. But he very, very ca- 
casually basically mentioned that both CFC and Detroit were exploring options to go mm-hmm. pro in the spring, which of course w- was not a surprise, but the surprise came in saying that they were potentially bringing in investors in Detroit's case. And I'm assuming Tim or one of the other owners equals or matches that PLS for owner worth. And you guys might have to change your ownership structure to give him principal ownership. But you guys might be looking to join NISA, um, which really, really kind of put me back on my my seat when I read that, especially when it comes to Detroit. But I hope to maybe have Dion on or somebody else to give me the Detroit perspective. But NISA, man, how how do you feel about that? What is that yeah. to you guys? I mean, I, you know, I, you know, just speaking for myself, I don't know what else we do, though. You know, I mean, I think it's it's a situation where you you know we are and we're in a position where we want to play more games, and if we want to play more games, we're going to play those games without college players because college players have to go back after the end of the summer. So we're going to have to be some type of extended amateur. Now that doesn't really, I don't think that that's just not where we are. And so when you look at the options, you know, you just kind of have to say, you know, what where where else do you go and it's a, it's unfortunate that I think it you know there are some things about I think fundamentally Nisa shares a lot of the same type of values and 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 views on the American soccer spectrum that I think our ownership shares that a lot of our fans share uh, but yeah they're, they're within the structure you know so it does feel a little you know for lack of a better word icky you know, to go in and, and, and kind of be a part of the system that I, that I think is so flawed. But, you know, at, at the end of it all, it's about CFC. It's about the club. It's about what is best and, and what's going to get us more of what we love. And, and right now, I just don't, if somebody out there tell, can tell me what the option is, uh, you know, we went down the option. The option was Founders Cup. We thought we had it. We thought we had a, we thought we had kind of a you know a, a loophole in the you know in the structure, and that loophole was shut. And you know, I think you got to make the best of make the best of what we got. Now, again, like I said at the beginning, that's what Todd and I have talked about. It feels like that's where we're headed. And but you know, that was you know again, certainly Tim didn't talk that way in our in our um, in our conversation with him um, earlier or earlier this week. So I, you know, but I just don't know where we go. And if somebody out there, I mean, I, you, so you, now you've got, you know, MPSL classic clubs are, were a little frustrated, I think with the founders cup clubs, because really the founders club was, we're, we're, it was creating its own closed league. And so, you know, you have those clubs a little frustrated. Now we're coming back in the fold. You got to, you got to think that some of them are kind of rolling their eyes thinking what the hell's going on. And, and now you got Nisa coming in and we're playing Nisa. T- I, I mean, I just don't, at the end of it all, Tim, I just don't know what, what else we're supposed to do. And at some point you have to look at, at the, you have to look out in the structure and say, you know, what is best for the club you love? And right now, the way I see it, and, and some of my Chattahooligan brothers and sisters will cuss me for saying it. I mean, you know, I think Nisa is just seems to make the best sense. Now, are we going to end up there? Who knows? We'll see that. We'll see. You know, Tim said there will be something before the end of the Members' Cup season. Um, so, you know, that's fairly open. That's October. Um, but uh, I just, I just, you know, I just kind of sit here 
in my house thinking, well, where do we go? And I just don't see anywhere else. If you've got an idea, I'll, I'll listen. But I, you know, <laughs> it's it feels weird um, to to kind of be going into a, a, a sanctioned league. But I just don't know what else we do. Yeah, I, in speaking with ownership here in Asheville, one of the things that you know it's 2019 and we have to have our brands and and definitely my my Twitter brand and my podcast brand is um, I, I frown upon the professional league standards and I mm-hmm. don't particularly care for what I believe to basically be amounted uh, to a pyramid scheme with MLS and I, and I had a great conversation in Chattanooga with a major soccer personality here in Asheville who was there to watch that game and he kind of chuckled at me and said, you know, I listened to your podcast and you guys, you guys sound a little ridiculous talking about anti this and down with this and, you know, pro rel will solve everything. And he really laid out a very logical explanation as to why all of that's kind of ridiculous. And it, it, it was a good conversation. One of those conversations that makes you kind of realize, okay, may, maybe I need to not compromise, but consider the other side and why the other side believes what they do. And of course, I mean, that's what all adults should do when they discuss these things in general. But combine (laughs) that with a conversation I had with one of the Asheville owners who, you know, one of the unintended consequences, and and never, never, never would I expect Chattanooga to even spend one iota of one second in considering this that when CFC moves on, the NPSL Southeast continues to get smaller and smaller. So there's also a rumor, and this really is a rumor out there, that International is also now kind of reading the writing on the wall and is considering about potentially pulling their NPSL team and just focusing on their youth programming, which that really, really, really wouldn't surprise me. There's nowhere for them to go. I know they've had success in the NPSL, but it it's definitely not up to the standards as of what um, Chattanooga does by any stretch of the imagination, nor what Asheville yeah. does, what Greenville does. Um, I think mm-hmm. even New Orleans, was when they were around, they were putting on a better product than them. Maybe not Atlanta and Georgia, somewhere kind of in between. So it wouldn't surprise me if they pulled out. If they pulled out, CFC pulls out, Asheville's kind of in a dire situation. We are in a situation with our men the women, the WPSL just continues to get stronger and stronger. Um, and mm-hmm. in your conversation with Tim, again, guys, go check that out. It's the 423 Soccer Podcast. you find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. But you guys discussed um, the potential of a women's team coming in. And I loved mm-hmm. his answer. I know there's a lot of... Um, a, a lot of things that went on behind the scenes with the women um, and their eventual... I wouldn't even call it a defection, but they chose to go to the Red Wolves. And that's kind of another conversation for another day, which I'm welcome to have as soon as you guys pick up in a women's team. But um, the women in the Carolinas, just that conference continues to grow and grow and great things are happening. Um, I think a few of the NPSL teams or USL League Two teams in the Carolinas are going to actually pick up a women's team next year. So things look so bright on that end of things. But with the men, it just continues and continues to get smaller and smaller. And the NPSL conference, I think it's the Mid-Atlantic or whatever, uh, Virginia Beach FC and those clubs play in. They played in a five-team league this past year. 
Uh, so they only played four league games, which means they didn't qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, that's four home dates. Of course, they filled it out with friendlies and different things of that nature, but that's that's not tenable. You can't you can't sell sponsorships at that. You can't. It's really hard to even recruit players with that few of games. You know, there's always the USL League Two option, which answers a lot, a lot of questions here in the Carolinas because there's a strong, strong. You could go north or you could go south. Basically, Asheville sits in a really sweet spot right there where you could either play those Mid-Atlantic teams, Lions Bridge, and the other Virginia Beach team, and yeah, NCFC, and kind of go that way. Or you could go kind of south and go down and play the Bantams and Peach Peachtree MOBA um, and some of those teams, Dalton Red Wolves. How amazing would it be to play the Dalton Red Wolves? Um, <laughs> and I, again, being on brand, I'm against the USL model. I, I don't necessarily... It's more of a franchise model as opposed to MLS, which is single entity. But I, I just, I still don't believe that large expansion fees and creating kind of a of haves and have-nots and and good old boys system is really going to grow soccer in this country. It is growing soccer, but it's not in a beneficial way. Just again, my opinion, guys. But this owner was basically saying, you know, if the NPSL wasn't an option, if travel got too ridiculous and you weren't not just breaking even but literally losing money just to exist that's not sustainable of course it's not Mm -hmm. whereas usl league two potentially you could slot right in you could have a lot of rivalries travel would be reduced you're guaranteed seven home games seven away games it just answers so many questions is that a club over league situation? Is that a, you know, you're, you're not aiding and abetting what USL stands for. You are existing to make the impact and grow the sport in Asheville the way that Asheville City has proven that they um, want to do it the right way. So I, I completely understand the, the, I wouldn't call it mental gymnastics, but it's certainly a sort of um, crisis of, conscious and crisis of um, confusion a little bit with choosing one of the two paths. And you guys don't, at least I, I know there's some very, very strong feelings about it. Beef, I guess you could say, would, with USL is much, much different than Detroit's. Um, Detroit sure, really, yeah. you know, kind of uses that St. Pauli. It, it, the, being anti-USL is more of part of their... Um, the fabric of their identity. Whereas I would say being anti-USL for CFC for a long time, when they were approaching you and, and seeing if you wanted to join, it was more just an annoyance. It was a, or at least this was my interpretation, more of a, we disagree with how you guys do things. We disagree with your model. We don't necessarily want, um, you, we don't want to eat at your lunch table. Mm-hmm. Now it's a literal fight for survival. So I, I think that even puts more of a, an onus on you guys to potentially make decisions that some fans would disagree with. But just like you said, if, if at 10 years, there's only one logical path to growth and that's Nisa. I don't know that anybody in the long run can really begrudge you guys for that. No, but, and I I think, you know, you, you, you said earlier that you weren't sure that, that, that anybody at the club was thinking about Asheville or thinking about NPSL. Well, that was why we asked him the question, how much of a 
of a uh, a goal or how much how much of a of, of a, were they thinking about maintaining a U23 team that might play in the NPSL? I mean that because that is among among people I speak with, among fans that I speak with, we want that to happen for for a number of reasons. One, I think we have at least I do. I'll speak for myself, and and I think I can speak for Todd because we talked about this. You know. I, I like the NPSL Southeast. It is our home. It is where we came from. It is it is who we are in many ways. And and so you know, one of the first things I thought was we got to keep a we've got to keep a a team not not as some altruistic thing for the. I'm not saying hey we're the White Knight. That's not what I mean. I mean that we need to stay in that because that's who we are. I mean that's that's what that's where we came from, and that's what CFC is about. We you know we are about. The community we are about um, being Chattanooga. Well, part of that is also being that community of clubs that started and, and came up and and fought together and and in some cases died together. <laughs> um, and and so I, you know, that's that was why I asked him. What I what I what I hate is that I did not ask him the follow up question, which was you know, the reason why we're asking this is because I, as a CFC fan, and you know, part owner for whatever that's worth is, uh, you know, is feels an obligation to the other clubs in, in our community, in our community as in PSL Southeast. And is that a part of, of their mindset? Has that entered in? I wish I would have asked that question. And if I, if I, if we sit down with him again, after whatever happens, happens, I, you know, I'm going to write that down and make sure I ask it because for me, it's important. And, and it's, and, but it's important for a, a number of reasons. It's important because it's where we come from. It's also important because, you know, I've got, I've, you know, I've got a kid who's uh, an O2 Academy player and, and I've got friends who have kids who are O1 and, and, and O3 and O4 and O5 Academy players and a place for them to go and a place for them to continue to play. And, and I, you know, I know kids that just graduated that played with my younger son who are going to Tennessee Wesleyan and other, other, other places to play soccer. I would love for them to be able to have a place to come home and play in the summer. So there are so many reasons why. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how many, how many people are going to hear this, Tim? <laughs> Cause I don't know if I want too many people hearing this, but USL has done one thing right here in this area and that's put a team in Dalton. And, and so that their kid, the kids in their academy and the kids in North Georgia in this area can see a, a USL, whatever they are, League Two team that they might be able to play for. We don't have that and right now. Um, and so there are a number of reasons why we ask the question, but one of those is just, you know, what you asked. You don't know if Chattanooga feels anything about Asheville, the other teams. Well, I do. And I know that a lot of other, a lot of other fans, um, of CFC, we do feel that. And I told you when you and I talked before the South, the, the, the playoffs, you know, that I was so excited because I, you know, I love Asheville. I love going to Asheville. Um, and I was very excited to have that Blue Ridge Derby back and forth. And I would hate to lose that completely. Um, now I'm one person. I have a microphone. Um, but you know, uh, you know, that's where I am. And I, I really hope they do consider it. You know, he's, he said it was not a it was not a huge priority. It was a priority, but it wasn't one of their top priorities. And I would like to I would like to think and hope that that maybe uh, fans and other people kind of get beyond get behind that idea and, and hope that we um, that we can stay and, and and continue doing some good things in the NPSL. 
Yeah, it, I think it's a logical extension, exactly what you're saying, especially because of your guys' wonderful academy program to have something for people to graduate up into, especially as they continue to play um, through their college years um, and, mm-hmm. and come home, just like you were describing. Now, it also just dawned on me as you were talking that, um, you know, if, if you guys ever need somewhere to send them, always feel free to send them to Asheville. <laughs> um, I'm sure we will be recruiting players. Um, and right. maybe we right. can create yeah. a Chattanooga Asheville um, Academy partnership of some variety. <laughs> Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if you guys do figure it out. I, maybe you guys aren't playing those games, you know, CFC U23s, and you guys aren't necessarily playing them at Finley. But, you know, you guys had several. Did you have one or two friendlies at high schools this year? And they seemed pretty well attended. And I think as that kind of almost develops into its own brand, you, you know, you could have games at a local high school to kind of lower some of that overhead cost and and it makes a lot of sense and i don't know i kind of hope it happens even if we do unfortunately move into a usl league two situation that we can still keep something going up whether it be friendlies or something along those lines yeah yeah me too (laughs) i echo that i echo that i would hate to see i would hate to see you guys go into usl just for you know a number of reasons but um Again, like I said, it's, you know, at some point you have to sit down and look around and you have to make, you have to choose your options. And I mean, it, you know, when it, it boils down to, I'm going to do this thing I don't like versus die. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, you do the thing you don't like. I mean, and, and you, you move forward and you, and you fight, you live to fight another day. I mean, that's this, unfortunately, this is the situation we find ourselves in, you know, and I'm going to get all, you know, I'm going to get, you know, all, all um, paranoid here in black helicopter. When we have a foundation, a foundation, a federation that does not seem to really care about what goes on much below the, the first division of American soccer. I mean, they just don't seem to really care. They seem to be perfectly fine with this behemoth that is USL just operating like a predatory, you know, company going around and just and doing what they can if it makes you know. Just taking clubs. If if you don't, if you, it's kind of this join or die kind of stuff that um, you know that I, I don't really like with the with the USL. So, um, but it's it's where we are. And USL is only doing what they're allowed to do, right? I mean, you know, they're not they're not out there. They're doing what the federation allows them to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as much as I can, you know, hold up my fist and scream at the clouds uh, about USL, I mean, it's it's because the federation is just. Is just not leading, and this is my humble opinion. They're just not leading the way um, that that I think they need to to uh, to make soccer the the number one sport in this country. And if you want to really get deep into my conspiracy hot takes, you know, with the number of NFL owners in in MLS, I don't know that they ever want soccer to be the number one sport in this country. So, so there, there's my hot take. You can pull that as your pull quote. Um, <laughs> Consider that, it done. You know, that, that's, Jim, that's it has just been absolutely fantastic option. to catch back up with you again. Um, can can yeah. you remind everybody where they can find you on social media and where, you, where they can find the podcast? Sure. So, again, I'm Jim Hicks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chattagooner. Uh, and you can find my co-host, uh, Todd, at Great Footballer. It's G-R-8-F-T-B-L-R. 
Uh, and then you can find the podcast at 423SoccerPod on, on Twitter. We have, It's 423SoccerPodcast on Facebook. And then you can find us anywhere you find your favorite uh, podcast. So Stitcher, iTunes. Um, you know, the kids told us that we had to be on Spotify. So we we're on Spotify. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, wherever, where you could, everywhere you could, you could find us and, 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 um, listen to us talk about whatever it is we talk about. And it was, it's awesome to catch up with you and, and, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and, and share what little I know. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim. Guys, you've been listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, and we will be back later this week with another podcast. Thanks guys. I guess that's why they call us the blues. Time on our hands could be time spent with Bruce. Drinking like tourists, yelling like drunkards, scoring some sunners. been listening to the you're smarter than us podcast shoot us an email at you're smarter than us at gmail.com or find us on twitter at y-o-u-r-e underscore smarter